You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. Big show on tap. We'll give our thoughts on the Colts 2020 schedule released over the past week. T.Y. Hilton, a little bit of breaking news during his media availability from this week. Um, You'll hear from T.Y. specifically. The Colts begin to sign their rookie class, but we'll begin this episode by uh, remembering a very influential Colts coach who passed away over the weekend. That's former pass rush coach John Tierlink. Passed away at the age of 69. Uh, had 23 seasons as a coach. He was with the Colts in the uh, in the 2000s. So obviously great years for the Colts. And Mike Chappell, great years for the Colts pass rush. When it comes to uh, the, the strength of that team, Freeney and Mathis on the edge, that was, if outside of Peyton Manning, perhaps the biggest strength that Colts team had. And Tierling certainly had a, a significant role in developing those two into what they were. It's funny. He's sort of a forgotten man. When you think of the success in the 2000s, you're thinking of Tom Moore and Howard Mudd and even Gene Huey. Defensively, Turlink made it work. He, he, he made that defense work. He, he was unorthodox, I guess. He had some controversy early in his career when he was called into the league office for uh, targeting quarterbacks as having his players. But I'm telling you, when it comes to teaching pass rushers, there were none better for Ian Mathis. He had, just without getting going overboard, he had seven of his players with at least 100 sacks uh, and, and three in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, and, and maybe the, big, the biggest testament to his influence is when John Randall went to Hall of Fame, he had a John Turling presenting. So uh, that just kind of, and again, if you ever want to talk to Mathis or Freeney about who most helped their careers, they will bring up John Turling. It's funny, one of the questions I could never get Turling to answer was if you had to pick Freeney or Mathis, which do you want? He says, that's like asking me, which one of my kids do I like best? But uh, he, he, he was quite the guy, uh, quite the coach, and he will be missed. Uh, from Freeney and Mathis, Dwight Freeney, a statement that we got through the Colts. JT was a man of true legend. He was an innovator, and his teachings were way ahead of his time. He taught me so much, and I definitely would not have had the career I had if it wasn't for him. I will miss him. Rest in peace, my friend. The greatest D-line coach of all time. And then Robert Mathis on Twitter uh, saying a simple RIP to the greatest pass rush coach of all time, John Tierling. So obviously a man those two care deeply about. Jim Mercer as well, calling him one of the sport's all-time greatest assistant coaches, a horseshoe guy through and through. Um, when it comes to those guys, uh, like, like I said, certainly one of the strengths of the, co- the Colts over the years. And uh, so, so rest in peace to John Tierlink. Our thoughts and prayers with his family, with his friends, and with those who he impacted certainly here uh, with the horseshoe as well. Uh, beyond that, looking to the horseshoe in the immediate and the extended immediate future, T.Y. Hilton, uh, available with the media this week. And uh, let, let's listen to T.Y. first and then uh, Mike. Myself and Joe will will break down a little bit of what we took from this and uh, a few stats and knickknacks that go uh, into T.Y.'s present uh, situation with the Colts. So here is T.Y. Hilton. There were some frustrating moments for you last year, especially late in the season. You guys couldn't move the ball like you wanted to. How do you see the new quarterback, Phillip Rivers, changing that? What do you think he brings to the offense? Uh, I think Phillip brings, you know, a lot of experience, you know, uh, future Hall of Famer. Um, knows the offense really well. You know, he used it in San Diego. Uh, we got some stuff we use here. Um, so I feel like, you know, we can um, always get better. But, you know, Phil's a, a guy that I see taking us to the next level. Hey, T.Y., real quick, can you flip your phone horizontally for us? Just what? Perfect. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, Stephen Holder. Hey, T.Y., I know that um, – you know, you're, you're very uh, religious about your, your workouts and off season and that kind of thing. But I also know that you have your own way of doing things. So um, how, how has this uh, pandemic impacted you? Has it been less of an impact because you kind of did your own thing or, or just kind of tell me if you can, how it's affected you? Uh, I'm just working out more at home now. Uh, I normally go to the track and do all my running or to the beach and do some running, but uh, I just been using my house, using my backyard, as working out. Um, so 
that's about it. That's the only thing that pretty much changed. Mike Chapel. Yeah, too. I'm curious. We talked to you last last year a lot, and again, the frustration was obvious. Not not wanting to go on IR and, and, and intent on playing. Your motivation this year to come back and I don't know, say re, I don't know what the term is reestablish yourself or what? What is the motivation? Uh, motivation is you know uh, I kind of let my teammates down last year by being hurt, being injured. You know things you really can't control. You know it's not like you're playing Madden again, cut injuries off. So you know. My main thing now is, you know, just get my body back where it is, which right now, well, towards the end of the season, I've been 100%. So, you know, just stand, stand, stand on top of my game. You know, I'm working out twice a day, you know, so I don't let my teammates down. So I'm out there, you know, just doing what I'm doing, you know, um, and just helping them out the best way I can. But, you know, my motivation is to get back where I was. And, you know, that's being on top of the game. Do you worry about the contract here or will that take care of itself? I mean, I want to be a coach. Uh, for life, you know, but it takes two sides, you know, it's up to Mr. Ursay and Chris, you know, uh, to get the job done. So for me, you know, I want to be a coach, so you heard it from me. Okay, Mike Wells with family behind you. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, this, hey, this whole e-learning stuff, man, I'm multitasking. Yeah, hey, um, nice. <laughs> all right, get up. Bye, bye. Get your water. Bye. Um, I wanted I to ask you, T.Y., about um, what's, what's it been like during the whole virtual learning? with you guys doing everything online, doing the Zoom and everything. Uh, can you kind of just take us, take us through on what that what that process has been like as a player trying to learn with everybody else elsewhere? I mean, it's, it's different, but it's kind of like, you know, uh, us just being in the classroom all day, you know, uh, listening to the coordinators talk, go over the game plans, uh, go over the installs. Um, so instead of us being there, we just on the phone, you know, just um, listening to them talking, chime in every now and then, and just um, going from there. What about I wanted to follow up as as far as the playbook goes? Do you get did you guys just get a uh, like a, a PDF file of the, of the playbook so you guys can go over it? I mean, we got an iPad, so um, they just pretty much go over, you know, what's the install and what plays uh, we'll be running like around this time and stuff like that. Okay, Phil B. Thanks for doing this, Ty. Um, no, no problem. When you came into the league, uh, you learned from Reggie Wayne. Uh, I'm wondering what, what were some of the most important things he taught you that you want to pass on to guys like Michael Pittman Jr. and Desmond Patman? Um, the main thing Reggie uh, always told me was make sure you, you know your playbook in and out. And, you know, whenever your number's called, you know, just make sure you're ready because you never know when your number's going to be called. You never know when somebody's going to go down uh, whenever somebody's going to get tired. So you got to get in and you can't miss a beat because if you miss a beat, then something's bad is going to happen. So, you know, you just want to make sure when that time comes and you're in the game, you make sure you're ready and you know all your plays. Thank you. Okay, Kevin Bowen. Thanks for doing this, T.Y. Um, and watching Michael Pittman on film, if you have, what do you see and how do you feel like he, he kind of compliments you? Uh, I haven't really watched him, uh, but I've seen some of his highlights, you know, after we drafted. Uh, I see he's a big body. He goes up and get the ball real well. Uh, he looks like he's light on his feet. So, um, you know, I just can't wait to, you know, actually sit down with him, uh, get to know him, um, and see how he does, you know, uh, for us. And then just one one quick follow-up. Um, if you guys aren't able to get together in the spring, do you plan on trying to get together with, with Phil at all, if you can, and uh, throw with him and, and catch Oh, absolutely. You know, whenever uh, things start to open back up, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll we'll get together and get our timers down. Okay, Dave Griffiths. Yeah, my question, T.Y., is kind of uh, similar to what Kevin just said. But what what are you missing right now with Phillip? I mean, this could be the time that you would be getting in sync, getting on the same page, and just, um, I guess, how deeply do you have to dive in when you finally do get the chance to to be in the same, uh, same field as him? I mean, he's – Whenever we can, I mean, whenever we get a chance to get out there and get get some time and now get some throws in, you know, we pretty much we we talk uh, almost every day on Zoom or whenever uh, me and him talk on the phone. He calls me up, you know, just getting to know me, me getting to know him, you know, asking us personal questions about one another. So uh, that's about it. Until we get on the field, you know, we just catching up one another and see what see what we like. Okay, Jim Aiello. Hey, T.Y., thanks. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Uh, just want to talk about those injuries you said last year. I just, you know, I think there's some question about whether or not it's something you think you're dealing with because you're getting older or, the, or last year's injuries maybe just kind of fluky and they popped up. I mean, they, 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 it was kind of fluky. I mean, I got hurt in practice running the route that I had just I had just ran. So, you know, I was 
running and then it just kind of like pops. So, I mean, just kind of fluky, man. The, the, and then the injury two years ago with the, the low and the high ankle sprain on the same ankle. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't really see that if you see it at all. So, um, I mean, just it's kind of fluky, but, you know, like I said, it's not mad. You can't cut injuries off and things happen, but, you know, I'm looking to bounce back. Joel Erickson? Uh, T.Y., whenever you guys can get back together and start uh, practicing as a team, do you, do you have any concerns about that, about about the risks of practicing or playing together? I mean, there's always risks, but, I mean, if we're able to go out there, I mean, we pretty much have clear, you know, all the things that we need to clear. So, uh, I mean, I don't think it will be a problem. George Bremer? T.Y., uh, last year it seemed like there was an emphasis to, to get the ball more to you quick, more quickly and, and get in an open space. Just adding elements to, to your game, do you think that will help you kind of extend your career a little bit? I mean, just giving me the ball, you know, I mean, I love it. You know, when I got the ball, you know, I'm liable to make a play at any given time. So, you know, just giving me the ball, you know, here and there and then hit them over the top. I mean, it's, it's pretty much what, we, what we've been doing. So, if um, we can continue to do that and run the ball, I mean, it'll open up everything. Greg Doyle? T.Y., um, the numbers you had last year are not you. Um, and I, we all know there's reasons for that. Injuries, the weird quarterback situation. I mean, it's, it's not about you. I get that. But we all know how driven you are, mm. you know, how fueled you are. What did last season, the numbers on the back of your football card, what, what does that do for you for fuel? Uh, you, know, I'm all, I'm, you know, I'm self-motivated. But, you know, that definitely did something to me, you know, they added motivation to me. You know, I missed a lot of games last year, and that's something that, that can't happen because, you know, I know my teammates need me on the field. So, um, you know, I'm doing everything I can. Like I said, I'm working out twice a day. Um, just continue to grind, continue to get better. And, you know, when, it, when it's time for us to get back out there, you know, um, everybody's going to feel me. And one more thing. Um, you're playing with a quarterback, Rivers, who just – he flings it. He, he throws it down the field. Um, I'm guessing you know that, right? I mean, what does that – what do you think in this season could be like with that guy throwing the ball wherever he wants? I think I think it could be special. You know, I feel like um, the way I'm training, the way I'm doing, the way my body feels, and you know, feel of doing this thing. You know, I feel like this can be an All Pro year for me. Exactly. On that same note, Ty, um, what have your early impressions been of, of Phil? I know you guys are on the field, but you're in these Zoom meetings. Have you feel like you've gotten to know him a little bit, and what have you learned? Yeah, I feel like I got to know him. I mean, like, he's he's already taking control of meetings already. So, you know, he's asking questions, you know, um, knowing the terminology, you know. So, you know, I mean, like, he's been this offense. So, you know, just some things we changed up with different um, different names. So, um, you know, he's just getting those things down. And once he gets those down, you know, he'll be ready to go. Okay, we'll go uh, a few more here. Kevin Bowen. When you mentioned earlier about being a Colt for life, uh, how many more years do you do you want to play, or have you thought about that? Uh, I mean, whatever I sign for my next contract, um, that'll be you know when I hang it up. So, whether it's two years, three years, four years, uh, whatever it is, whatever I sign for my next contract, that'll be it for me. Hey, Jim Maiello. Yeah, just going back to that, pretty much the same question. Do you feel like you need to, to get that extension? Do you feel like you need to prove that, you know, you're ready to go back, you know, healthy and that those injuries are behind you? I mean, my work speaks for itself. I mean, when I'm out there, I know what I can do. But, you know, these last two years, uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been a little banged up. So, uh, this year, if they want me to prove it, I'll prove it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, I think everybody would want me here. So, uh, you know, I want to be here. Your last one, Stephen Holder. Hey, T.Y., just to clarify, um, on, on the contract situation, you guys have, have you talked about this yet or is this something you expect will wait till after this season? Do you have any idea? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, we had a few talks, but then, you know, the, the virus thing happened. So um, kind of let everybody just, you know, go their ways with their families, spend time with them. So, um, I mean, whenever things pick back up, I'm pretty sure, you know, hopefully we can get something done. If not, then, you know, like I said, it's other um, Mr. Ursay and Chris, you know, I mean, I want to be here. So it is what it is. That was T.Y. Hilton speaking with the Colts this week via Zoom. And, uh, Mike, what stood out to you, first of all, from, from everything he said? Because, obviously, I think the big the big takeaway for me was, hey, I want one more contract in my career, and then I'm done. T.Y.'s only 30 years old, so it doesn't sound like, at least right now, he wants to play into his late 30s in his life. He says, hey, one more deal after this year, which his contract expires after this season, and then that's it for me. Yeah, what Reggie played. Reggie played till he was 36 or 37. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think he made it to 38. So, yeah, let's, let's say they give him a three-year deal. He'll be 34 when he retires. Uh, he turns 31, I believe, in, in November, which isn't ancient by, by any means. What's going to be interesting, yeah, I think what struck me is he said he wants to be a cult for life, but then my next contract, you know, will, will be my, my final one. And the issue that the Colts have to look at is, I suppose, the age a little bit. But the injuries, you have to, as an organization, you have to wonder, you have to take into account, is is his age impacting the injuries or are they just flukes? He missed six games last year. He's only missed 10 games in his career. It's not like this guy's injury, but he's not. Uh, And he refused to go on IR last year because of the calf injury. And anyone who ever questioned T.Y. Hilton's toughness, go back to 2018 with a double ankle sprain, double high ankle sprain, and he played and played at a high level. So uh, the only issue with the team has to determine is if you want to give him the extension now, do you trust him staying healthy? Because when he's been healthy, he's been a top 10, top 12 player. And there is a, uh, a, a, I call it a stupid section of Colts Twitter that says T.Y. Hilton's an injury-prone player. It's probably the same section that says Anthony Costanzo is an overrated offensive lineman. We've talked about that plenty, but um, th- th- there's no part of me that you could ever convince that T.Y. Hilton is an injury-prone guy. Um, he, he fights through, he plays through being hurt for sure. Uh, but before this past season, the most games he'd ever missed in a season was two. What the problem, I guess, is and what gives these um, what gives that section of, uh, of the Colts fan base that thinks he's injury prone just a little bit of ground to stand on is that has happened in back to back years now. So he missed two games two years ago and then he missed the six games last year. Um, it, it, and Joe, if it's if you ask me if you're the Colts right now, I don't think there is a specific need to extend him at this moment. T.Y. says he wants to be a Colt for life, and I take him for his word at that. I think if you go to next offseason, you put in one more year, and you see how T.Y. does this year injury-wise, that it's just it's a smarter move for the franchise than just on the off chance that T.Y. Well, on the chance. I'm not going to say the off chance. On the chance that T.Y., after he does pass 30, those injuries are starting to mount up a little bit more. I don't think that's the case, but again, I think that's it's prudent for the organization to wait to extend T.Y. Hilton. That, that's at least my take on the situation. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, T.Y. himself says he wants to remain with the organization, and he said if he has to prove he can stay healthy this year, then so be it. But it doesn't sound like something where – it could, you know, fracture the relationship. I put in all this time, I missed six games, and all of a sudden you don't want to extend me. It doesn't sound like that's a scenario at all. Um, but then again, we've seen the Colts time and time again extend players before they needed to in the past. So we'll kind of see. Um, it's a situation where if they do extend them before the season, I would expect a lot of money in the front end of the contract, not a lot of guarantees for when he's 33, 34 years old. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see the length of the contract as well. Is it a two-year deal? Is it a four-year deal? Is it one of those contracts where the four years are on the contract, but after one or two years they could cut them and there's no dead cap? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I agree with you, Mike. I don't see any rush to pay him right now when he's had a few injuries and his age is getting up there. The only The only issue about delaying it, uh, is uh, I'm looking here at Colts free agents in 2021. Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, Justin Houston, Denico Autry, Ryan Kelly, Xavier Rhodes, Sheldon Day, Anthony Walker. So uh, quite a few players that, you know, and at some point you prioritize. So maybe if, if you're convinced he can stay healthy, you want to get it done now just so that next year isn't a isn't a total everybody done right we've talked so much about the significant moves the Colts made this offseason obviously because we're in the middle of this offseason right now but uh, Mike makes a great point that looking forward to next offseason there there 
the Colts have so many big decisions to make for next offseason. And, and, and we'll get to that eventually. We'll get to that. But it, it's worth mentioning in, in a situation like this when it comes to T.Y. Hilton and when to extend and when not to extend and whatever's going through your head if you're Chris Ballard. Um, and, Mike, when it comes to T.Y., you and, and me and also Stephen Holder of The Athletic were changing some um, – exchanging some uh, some tweets just about some T.Y. Hilton stats just, just earlier today. And uh, we'll, we'll bring them up here on the podcast. Uh, Steven was the one who first said um, uh, he talked about T.Y. Hilton be having over the past, over his career, from so from 2012 to now, T.Y. Hilton has the third most 100-yard receiving games in the NFL. And the Colts win something like 67, right around there, 63 or 67, I think it was, percent of those games. So T.Y. Hilton, whenever he eclipses the century mark, is a good sign for the Colts, um, obviously, in a game. I came in and I added he had zero, zero 100-yard games last year, which for T.Y. Hilton is absolutely stunning. The fewest he had in any season before that was two, and that was back when Ryan Lindley and Josh Freeman and Charlie Whitehurst were, uh, were throwing him the ball in, in 2015, alongside Andrew Luck and Matt Hasselbeck, of course. But that was just a weird season when it comes to Colts quarterbacks. And then Mike Chappell chimes in saying he actually didn't even have a reception over 40 yards for the first time in his career. So by, by any metric, last year was the most frustrating season, the most disappointing season, the worst season of T.Y. Hilton's career. Injuries certainly played a part of it. I think some of us, myself, I, I'll speak for myself, I would argue Jacoby Brissett had something to do with that. But at the same time, Jacoby Brissett did have several hundred-yard games to T.Y. a couple years ago. So... You can look at that and say, did T.Y. Hilton take a step back this year? It, 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 it's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. I would say I would say pump the brakes on that. I still think he has some good years left. But at the same time, you look at that, those stats and, and it at least brings it into question. So all, all this comes into question when you're talking about, Mike, uh, T.Y. Hilton's future with the organization. And also, of course, the young receivers they have with a Michael Pittman Jr. they got this year, with a Paris Campbell they got last year, there are guys waiting in the wings to get their slice of the pie. And if they can grab something like that this year, then again, you might go into why extend T.Y. Hilton for three, four, five years down the road when maybe a, just a two-year deal after this year would be a better idea. I guess I would anticipate a, a three, what really is a three-year deal. Again, maybe it's four-year to, to satisfy the player and the agent. But the fourth year kind of goes away. If I'm T.Y., I want as much money guaranteed or upfront as I can get. Because, again, what looks to be a really good contract on paper, when that stuff goes away at the end, it, you know, it, it, the funny money, that's what you don't want. So it's, it's so much of it just depends on how, you know, one, one of the reasons the Colts didn't pick up Malik Cooker's fifth-year option was can they trust on the field? And that's legitimate. Well, with T.Y., again, it's, that's not the case. Anyone who says he's injury-prone, you're, you're weighing way too much on last year and not taking the entire career under account into account. We'll see. Uh, you know, and to make him a top-10 receiver, I went back and looked, and I think it's $16 million a year is the bottom end of the top-10. So are you willing to pay him $16 million a year for the next three years? No, in T.Y.'s mind, uh, about the time you think that, okay, well, we've got the young guys, we've got Pittman, we've got these guys, Paris Campbell coming on, and you move on from T.Y., then something happens, and these guys aren't what you think. So he, he, this guy's not 38, he's 30. So I think he's still got, I think, three good years in him. And maybe that's what his next contract would reflect. And T.Y. is uh, set to get paid just about $14 million this season in the last year of a five-year deal with the Colts. So for plenty more on T.Y., you can head online to fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, read up what Mike had to say, see a little bit uh, more of what T.Y. Uh, had to say himself. Um, moving on from Hilton, the Colts have signed a couple of rookies from this year's draft class. Uh, Fifth-round pick Danny Pinter was the first to sign sixth round picks Isaiah Rogers and Robert Windsor and Desmond Patton have all signed all of them four year contracts. Uh, Mike, this is not like the, uh, the age of uh, 10 years ago or the, the last collective bargaining agreement in the NFL. This is, 
This is the age of pretty much everything is set when it comes to rookies with the wage scale. There's very little drama with this. So this is more a matter of procedure to get these rookie deals, rookie deals done than it is a matter of intrigue. Yeah, last week I posted on our website the uh, the nine picks and what each guy is going and not, not what he might get. It's what he's going to get. This stuff is slotted. It's declining. And this goes back to the uh, – I think who the last player was before the cat, the rookie wage. About Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. It was yes. Stanford, then Bradford, maybe it was. Correct. And they got, they got stupid money, guaranteed money. And the league just decided enough of that. Let's put a cap on this and theoretically funnel more money to the uh, veterans. I don't know how that's worked out. But I don't – I just can't believe that many people are upset with a rookie wage scale to where you're making – even the top ten – make them earn it and, and then reward them with that next contract. So we know what these guys are going to get. They've got four of the nine done. And in the next three weeks, they'll get the rest of them done. So that's the rookie deal right now. We will wait to see uh, when the other ones come in. Again, no real drama associated with that. It'll come. But uh, the most significant news in the NFL over the past week was the release of the schedule. And I call it significant because, well, we already knew who the Colts would play. We already knew where they would play. But it is just the order of, uh, of when everything is going to fall into place, assuming we get the year off to a, to a normal start and uh, everything goes off on time. At least that's the plan right now. That has been put out there. Um, the NFL has uh, apparently zero interest in changing things up before things have to be changed up. And I, I completely understand where they're coming from then. So they released the schedule as is. Uh, in the preseason, the Colts uh, open up with uh, home games in the preseason, weeks one and two against Philadelphia and Washington, and then are on the road the last two, uh, Buffalo and that yearly preseason game against Cincinnati. They open up the regular season at home, uh, on the road rather against Jacksonville. Uh, September 13th, and then the home opener comes the following week against the Minnesota Vikings at 1 o'clock. So uh, that, that's just the very beginning of the cold schedule. When you look at the schedule, it seems, Mike, that there are very much two different segments of um, for, for what the Colts are looking at when it comes to the regular season schedule. There's the early schedule, where six of the first seven teams they played did not make the playoffs next year, last year, and then the next rest of the schedule, and specifically the next seven games, where six of the next seven all made the postseason a year ago. So you you have to start off on the right foot if you expect to have the season that you want, looking at the schedule. Yeah, wouldn't you like the five and two they had last year? Would love it. And and if you look at the schedule, I, I'm not much going game by game and all that, but when you get to the, when you get to the halfway point, if you're not six and two-ish, then what have you been doing? So, and again, that, that's if everything, not everything, if most of what they've done personnel-wise was correct, there's no reason they shouldn't be in that 6-2 and two range. You know, it, to me, it's, it still all revolves around is Philip Rivers the 2018 version of the 2019. If he's 2018 and T.Y. stays healthy and you can keep your offensive line together, like somewhat close to last year, I don't know how you don't score a lot of points, and I'm not sure how the defense is better. So this is set up to get you off to a good start if you are who you think you should be. And th- th- all the moves in the offseason have given the Colts some some lofty expectations. And we were talking about it before. Like we we've seen um, some some national writers come out and say 11 wins for this. I'm like, hold on, <laughs> pump your brakes just a second. I, I mean, that that is a very lofty goal to to see to see a, a number that that's that large. If we're predicting it preseason um, to to have 11 wins, that's I if if you gave me 11, I would certainly take the under. Let me just put it that way. Is it out of the realm of possibility? No, but um, J- Joe, when you look at this schedule, when you saw it, what what was your first reaction? My first reaction was, you know, looking at the challenging games on the schedule. Minnesota's a talented team. Everyone knows about Baltimore, uh, Green Bay as well with Aaron Rodgers. Those are all home games, which is a big deal. Um, It it really gives the Colts a much better chance to come away with those games. I mean, could you imagine having to go to Green Bay or Baltimore like that? That makes those games much tougher. So the more challenging games on the schedule, fortunately for the Colts, 
are in Indianapolis. And then kind of like you said, Dave, it's the tale of, you know, before the bye and then after the bye. Before the bye, you got Jacksonville, Minnesota, New York Jets, Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati. You think at very least they get out of that four and two. Um, Minnesota's going to be a tough game, and then maybe they lose on the road to Chicago or Cleveland. I could see something like that. Um, But then you go back after the schedule. I mean, it's a tough stretch. Detroit's had the worst record last year, but they were missing Stafford, so they're going to get him back. Um, They got Detroit, Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas Raiders, who you would think would be a better team this year as they continue to rebuild. Houston, Pittsburgh, who in theory will get Ben Roethlisberger back, and then they finish with Jacksonville at home, which is really the only game that looks, you know, kind of easy after the bye. So I think they really have a tough stretch at the end of the season. Hopefully some of those last challenging games early will help this team with a lot of new pieces kind of come together um, and reach their potential. When you look at the schedule and compared with everyone else's schedule overall, I think it was Warren Sharp that tweeted it out, but I saw I saw somebody tweet out just like a graph of, uh, of schedules in the NFL, and, uh, and the Colts were an outlier in this graph in terms of the difficulty of the schedule. The Colts had by far the easiest schedule in the NFL when I looked at uh, this graph. Like I said, I believe it was Warren Sharp that tweeted it out. I'm not 100% positive on that. Uh, Mike Chappell, I see, is nodding. So I know that he saw what I saw, but um, it, you have to take advantage, have to take advantage of what happened of your early season and get out to a good start. Um, but uh, but Mike, like, like Joe mentioned, the, the home schedule is going to be challenging. I'm sure Colts fans looking at this schedule, it, this is about as good as you could ask for. And I mean, you knew the teams that you were going to get at home anyway. So if you're a season ticket holder for the Colts, this is certainly an intriguing year. You get Green Bay at home. So Aaron Rodgers is coming in. You get uh, Baltimore. You get Lamar Jackson coming into town. And those are much, much more manageable games, we will say. I'm not going to say easier, but they are more manageable games when you play them at home. So the only games against teams with a winning record last year, the Colts play on the road, are games that they have to play on the road. That's against Houston and Tennessee. And other than that, the, uh, the difficult, more difficult out-of-division games, Mike, they get them at home. So. Yeah, again, you, you, know, which was, you know, solid team, but I'd rather play them here than, than in Minnesota. And then you're going to have Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, which is going to be interesting. You're going to see the first overall pick. So, again, it's, however we, we dissect this now, it changes in September because somebody you thought was going to be good was is awful and somebody you thought was going to be awful is better. But I, you know, I, I just think it, it's it's set up for a team to get off to a good start. Now, so having said that, they've not won in Jacksonville in what like five years, six years, whatever it is. They always play awful in Jacksonville. Although the, the Jaguars once again are rebooting for like the eighth time. So so again, I, I it, it, this is conducive to a good start if you stay healthy. If Rivers is what he's supposed to be, if in December we're talking about a team. It needs six things to happen to get in the playoffs. There's going to be hell to pay at the complex because they believe they're ready to really compete and they've got their roster ready to compete if the, if the right moves were made. Another point about this schedule that comes out, as of right now, the Colts only have one primetime game in the 2020 schedule, and that is uh, November 12th at Tennessee on Thursday night. It's possible that Houston could be flexed to an uh to a national game or a nighttime primetime game uh on week 15. Uh that's still to be determined, but uh that Tennessee game there uh is the only one that is a primetime game. It is on the road and Joe made a made a great note right here um in our in our weekly rundown that 12 of the Colts last 14 primetime games, Mike are all on the road, including six straight. I, I don't think Jim Ursay is overly happy with uh, the scheduling over this, and I know that Colts fans aren't overly happy about this little intricacy of uh, all these schedules, not just this year's schedule, but a significant trend in several schedules of the last couple of years. He's talking, and one of the things he talked about is time games, and he was really – optimistic or eager or whatever the word is. So 
cannot be happy about this. I think it's been like, it's like five straight years they were on the road on Monday night and on Sunday night to get, without standing homewards, to get one primetime game and it's a Thursday night game, which is everybody plays on Thursday night. I think I saw, and I should have looked it up, but I thought I saw that the Raiders have four primetime games. Raiders, I mean, they were seven and nine. And here we are trying. I realize the Colts were not, they were not an attractive seven and nine last year. They just weren't. But if you anticipate like Tampa Bay being attractive because of Tom Brady, you should anticipate the Colts being more attractive because of Phillip Rivers. Uh, but uh, it's, it's all this does again, it's really going to just kind of infuriate Jim Irsay. Now, whether Frank Wright uses this as a, motivation about no respect i'm not sure he would go to that extent but it's obvious that, that league-wide there's not a lot of anticipation uh for what this team's going to do i'll say this uh joe in that uh, i was listening to uh kevin bow and our good friend 1070 the fan uh and he said something to the extent of uh the colts have not had a home primetime game since uh fake punt against the patriots uh <laughs> Yep, several years ago, five years ago. So if the NFL is punishing the Colts for that fake punt attempt, I don't know, maybe, maybe you could say that it is maybe a little bit justified that they haven't had a home primetime game since. If anything, they should thank the Colts. Do you know how much entertainment value they got out of that fake punt? It's still I mean, that going. Was a viral. Exactly, exactly. If anything, they should whenever give us Colt more primetime games. Whenever Colt Anderson or Griff Whalen move teams or, or sign somewhere, Always put you always see that the video of, of that play. And I'm telling yep. you, I go back to that that game. Had they not done that, they might have beaten the Patriots. What was it, 34 27 game, 31 24, whatever? It was, a, it was a touchdown game if they found the need the, to do something like that. But uh, yeah, they still may be paying for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting, Mike. I hadn't seen that the Raiders had four primetime games. I, I have to think a little bit that's the NFL trying to endear some fans to a team moving to a new city, um, if I had to guess the reason behind that. And then, of course, the love for Gruden as well. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, I, I don't know. You'd think maybe like a Rivers versus Rodgers, so one of these – quarterback matchups would get on prime time, but I guess Colts fans will have to wait another year, hopefully. It's funny, back in the in the Manning years, we had as a beat writer, you, you had like six primetime games every year. And that meant a eight thirty start, that meant an eleven thirty quarter of twelve end of the game and deadlines and they were awful. But God it was fun football. And then I, the worst from a perspective standpoint because a bunch of one o'clock games, because that means nobody cares. Uh, and, and the only way to change that, I suppose, is, is to get back to where nationally people want to see you play. And I could argue the Colts aren't there yet, but we'll see if they can change that this year. Well, if you do what you uh, you at least are expected to do this year, perhaps next year you see one or two or, or a little bit more. But yeah, I'll throw one more thing out about uh, just NFL schedules. We mentioned Vegas having... Uh, four primetime games. The Buccaneers have a couple. The Patriots also have a couple primetime games. I think more than maybe I was expecting because Tom Brady's no longer there. Like, I really want to see Jared uh, in, in primetime this many times a year. But I'll say this about the Patriots. They are intriguing because you either love them if you're from New England and you want to see them on primetime or you would love to see them fail. And so that that could be another reason why the NFL wants to put the Patriots on prime time because it, it's it's a no lose situation. If the Patriots win, then you're doing the right thing. You're putting winning teams on prime time. If they lose, you're doing the right thing because people love to see the Patriots lose, who live of course outside of the New England area. So it, as as I thought about it more, I was like, well, this is actually again. The NFL is not stupid. There's a reason the NFL is in a position it is in terms of all the sports leagues across the country. And uh, so, I, at least to me, that's that may, at least makes sense. Uh, you agree that, hey, Patriots, you know, you might like them or hate them, think they're not going to do as well this year. But at the same time, uh, they, they've earned their spot in prime time uh, for that reason or, or another reason. 
and also we, we can talk about it later later in a month or whatever but while the NFL is doing what it needs to do as far as we're planning to play preseason in August, regular season in September, n- nothing's nothing's finalized at all. And, and right now, to me, the prevailing idea is that there will be games without fans, at least early. Uh, and you read things to where how do you have fans in the stands until you're more comfortable with the virus situation? And I, I, I guess I'm going to be very surprised if at least in the first month we have fans in the stands because I don't know how you can ensure fans' health. And, and what happens if, you, if, if you're playing in games with no fans and then come Thursday or Friday, two or three players test positive? Do you quarantine the whole team? Just those players? What if those two players are Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton? So there's a lot of a lot of things to be considered before we get there. You know, the Colts are in their third week of off-season work. We're still virtual. And, and one thing that Joe wrote down here is now we're still virtual through what? At the end of May? May 25th, yes. I think it is. And that's simply extending the deadline. That's just extending uh, the quarantine, and it, it could go into June. So uh, we're, we're so much – the NFL, we've talked about the NFL – is so fortunate where this awful situation fell on the calendar because they've not had to cancel any games or anything. They've carried on with adjustments, obviously, with the draft and with off-season workouts. But the time is coming soon to when all of a sudden games are impacted. And to me, the one good thing, again, that the NFL's got going for it is by the time August gets here, they will have seen how Baseball has done it or not done it, the NBA. So there will be some uh, blueprints for either how to do it or not do it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, another interesting factor that's kind of coming up right now is what if one state is open for sports and another state is? um, Are are teams just going to play in other states? Are there going to be more road teams for certain, more road games for certain teams, more home games? Um, that's a lot that needs to be sorted out. I saw the NFL, if they're not going to have fans in the stands, they're going to have the fake crowd noise. So that'll, uh, almost feel like a sitcom there. Uh, yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. I know, I know it'll be super weird to have no noise, but to have the, the tonight show fan, fan thing come up when the right play comes up, I think it's going to, it's going to wear out real soon. I feel like it would be kind of a cool opportunity to put mics on the field and you can kind of hear more of the hits, more of the players. Um, you might have to use, you know, bleep some things out a little more often, but that could be a cool aspect if, you know, there's no fan noise. It's something to at least play around with. I was going to say the censors would have to work overtime, Joe. <laughs> I don't want I, I don't want any uh, any fines coming down from the uh, FCC and that that starts impacting uh, bottom lines for uh, for TV stations because that's kind of that's our business right now uh, in terms of uh, Fox 59, CBS 4 and all that. So so let's let's not fine us please for uh, things we might I, I just hear want to see how this hear. is going to work out because again they, the the Colts were, they're supposed to go to training camp uh, late July at Grand Park. Uh, we had on our website of uh, how Grand Park is sort of working this, and their their blueprint is to sort of like everybody else be up and running. I mean, to be up and running. But I won't be a bit surprised if we're not there at training camp, and the training camp might be at the Colts complex where they can really, you know, control. I guess who gets in, and the next time that the media gets in a Colts locker room might be next year. Because there's just too many ways that you can't control where Dave's been, I've been, whoever, and you let these guys into you can control players to, to some extent, but you can't control 20 media members on where they've been. Why do you say my name first, Mike? We don't know where Dave's been. <laughs> I, I know where I've been. Yeah, right. You've been at home. I, I've been all over the place. I'm the one who's actually going into work right now. So, you know, you're 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 completely right. Um, all right. Before we wrap up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, let's uh, give our record predictions uh, for this year. 
And this, obviously, I'll throw this out there, comes with a caveat that always comes with a caveat of injuries whenever you're talking about predictions for uh, an NFL team. But also this year, just with the added um, added caveat of going through a pandemic right now, like, like Mike was saying, what's going to be the procedure if somebody tests positive for a virus? Well, we'll, we'll have to find out exactly what that is. But looking at the schedule, and I'll throw out mine first before you guys go, and looking at what the Colts have done this offseason, you have to get, if you, I think you have to get 10 wins to really be happy. Like if you go nine and seven and make the playoffs, yeah, that'll be, that'll be at least palatable because you're in the playoffs, you're in the postseason. But at the same time, this has been a significant offseason for Chris Ballard and the Colts. You bring in a guy in Phillip Rivers who you say has not lost a step. Okay, well, now he's got to prove it as a guy who is a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. You trade your first round pick for DeForest Buckner. I think that's a it's a no brainer trade. And everyone who we've spoken with on the Colts, whether it's Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Matt Eberflus, have said it was a no brainer deal. They didn't have to think about it. It's still whenever you trade away your first round pick, you're swinging for the fences because that's your first round pick. That is a that's a piece. That's a. A va- an asset you have that is incredibly valuable. So what the Colts have done this offseason, have, they've gone all in on this year. They're not saying, hey, let's sit back and wait and continue to build for the future. They, they want success now. So looking at their potential, looking at who they play, their schedule, I think if you get less than 10 wins, it will be somewhat of a disappointment. So I, I'm, I'm going to go and looking at the schedule and just who's on it, where they play. I think 10 and six is a very reasonable expectation for this team. Um, so that that's, that's what I'm going to go with. Mike will go with you and then Joe. Yeah, I'll go nine. I'll go 10 and six too. One thing I, I'll disagree a little bit that they haven't gone. They're not, they're not in the all in mode. When I think of all in, I think of 2015 when coming out the SEC title game and then they got all the old, they went 30 and how many 30 plus guys. Can we, can, can we, Signed. What they what they've done they've they've made it very clear though that we're not yes we're building for the future that's why Eason's here but they think this roster is ready to win now. The uh, Forrest Buckner sort of addresses both. He's only what 26, so so he's he gives you now and he gives you let's just say four years. In my mind anymore, unless you're the quarterback, a franchise quarterback, building for the future means four years. So I, again, I, I think they've got a good mix, but, but I think if, if, like I mentioned earlier, if we're discussing playoff implications and ramifications in December, people are going to be upset because this roster is built to win now, barring injuries. The FC South has taken a step back. It's simply Jacksonville's taken two steps back. Houston's taking a step back when you lose, not lose, they, they got rid of Hopkins. I like Tennessee, but uh, take care of the early part of the schedule, and 10 and 6 should be there at worst. Yeah, I, I wish I had, you know, a different prediction just to be a little different here, but I also have 10 and 6 looking at the Colts additions and the schedule. Um, the first six games, their opponents were 39 and 57 the year before. I think they should at least go four and two there. The last 10 games, their opponents were 89, 66 and one in 2019. Much more difficult. I think it's still realistic, though, to go six and four during that stretch, which gets us to 10 and six. Um, we can kind of in a future episode kind of dive deeper into the division. But just off the top of your head right now. Do the Colts win the AFC South in 2020? I think Tennessee is the favorite right now. Um, and that's even with Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. I, I'm, I'm comfortable putting them there. I think they're building, they're building well. Um, like, they, we, like we talked about with the AFC South draft uh, show that we did the other week. They lost some stuff on the lines, like with Conklin and Jarrell Casey. They tried to fill that with the draft. Now, whether they do or not, I mean, that's to be determined how these guys play. But... That's how they're building the team is they're trying to shore up the offensive line, the defensive line. They're trying to run the heck out of the ball and then be able to 
go over the top on you with uh, some of their bigger play wide receivers like an A.J. Brown. So uh, I think that's a good recipe. I think Vrabel's a good young coach. I'll, I'll put him up there right now. Uh, so if you if you ask me who the favorite is, I'd say the Titans, but the Colts aren't too far behind, Mike, Yeah, in my I, opinion. Th- th- this will be when you get to December or early January. It's going to be 10-6 and six for both of them. And then which one, you know, did the right things to get to 10 and six. Uh, again, I agree with you that they go nine and seven and get a wild card. Depending on what you do with the wild card, there's going to be some disappointment. But uh, I, I just think if you step back and look at what they've done, who they play, what's 10 and six, it's, it, that's got to be your almost your bottom line. And anything more is what you're looking for. Yeah. So that's what we're thinking, Joe. All right. That's what yeah. we're thinking. Yeah. One of you guys mentioned, what, what's the over-under in Vegas, eight and a half? I thought it was eight and a half. I don't know. I, I don't have it right in front of me right now. Um, so I, I take but, you over there. Yeah, I think I, think I would, too. I, I just I have, such, I have such a hesitation right now, this year maybe more so, or more, more so than most, to, to really to dive into a prediction. Like, uh, injuries, like I said, are always a thing, but – as much as we think and we hope that this will be a regular, as regular as possible NFL season, it, it right now it doesn't look like it's going to be. So with so many factors, e- even with a number that's eight and five, I would be hesitant to really to to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, and uh, to to actually place place a bet on that. I I gamble with my life, not my money, as I, as I say sometimes. But uh, uh, that, that that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I mean. Uh, to your point, not knowing what's going on, if the NFL does have to cancel some of those earlier games, those are some of the less challenging games on the schedule. So if the Colts just have the back end of the schedule, all of a sudden it looks a lot tougher overall. So, you know, they might not even play a full 16 games. We'll, we'll have I to think see. The league, I think the league would do whatever they can to not cancel games. Maybe you flip September to the back of the schedule. You start lopping off games. And you're talking mucho money that you're lighting, up, lighting a match to. So I think at the very least, what they would do is just try to put those games on the tail end of the schedule. But then, but then it, it, it's what you talk about. Instead of getting that easier start, you're, you're getting to that tough stretch earlier. So that's the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. Follow us online on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone and submit questions there that you'd like us to answer. Just tag us once again at Colts Blue Zone, and we'd be happy to get to your questions throughout our podcast. Download and subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week whenever this drops, usually on a Thursday afternoon, but we are known to make some changes every once in a while. So again, once you subscribe, you know it'll be with you whenever we get it to you. So thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.